You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Or just better now. That's all you can say. Welcome to the Blog the Dogs podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, welcome to people. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another interview guest. We interviewed Tom Sapp. And for those who don't know who Tom is, Tom is the creator of our favorite mascot, Harry Dog, along with several other mascots over a couple hundred actually yeah tom was a real treat he was the a creator of hairy dog that was the first mascot that he ever designed and wasn't in the business of designing mascots at the time that that happened but it, it was a, act as a springboard for his career and he's gone on to design iconic mascots i mean mascots that you are seeing all across the country at the collegiate professional level you know the other thing about tom i just thought he was a real beauty, just such a, a great guy to talk to, um, had great stories. Uh, you could tell he's just super passionate about his work. So we are really excited for you to hear it. And, and without further ado, here's Mr. Tom Sapp. We are excited to have Tom Sapp here with us today. Tom is a graduate of the University of Georgia. He is the founder of Real Characters, Inc., and he is the creative genius behind over 200 characters spread out across uh, arenas, football fields, and stadiums all across the country, most notably our beloved hairy dog. Tom, we are so pleased to have you here. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. I'm pleased to be here. So, Tom, we just uh, wanted to kind of start with your journey. I know you, you're a graduate of UGA. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your time there as an undergrad? Oh, yeah, well, it was great. Of course, I was in the art school. I was a graphic design major, uh, graduated in 1969. And one of the interesting projects I got beyond the school was uh, the business fraternity called me and asked me to do a poster for them to sell. And really, that was the first sketch of what became Harry Dog. I actually did this poster for them. They paid me $100, and I thought, well, why do I even need to graduate? I have $100. <laughs> but I actually still have that, uh, have the original artwork of that poster in my file. And uh, we kind of set it aside until 1980. I was working in the advertising business as an art director, creative director. And, uh, of course, we had a pretty good freshman named Herschel Walker. And I felt like we needed a tougher mascot to reflect sort of the attitude of the team and junk hole, junkyard dog theme and everything that was going on. And the Florida game that year, I always had friends over for the Florida game. I had one particular friend, Alan Matthews, and we were watching this new Gator mascot next to what was really a pretty bad Georgia mascot. I think its name was Fluffy. And it was this gray mushroom head dog. It didn't look like a bulldog. The person in it didn't act like a bulldog. And this Gator was a pretty doggone good costume for the day. And it was moving and shaking. And uh, Alan said to me, he said, you need to have a dog down there next year that will intimidate that damn gator. And I, I said, well, why not? Let's do it. 
And uh, that kind of started the whole ball rolling to get uh, what became Harry Dog. And so after the genesis of that idea, what were the steps then to get everything set in motion for Harry Dog's debut? Well, a lot of people will know the name Clisby Clark, who wrote Hunker Down, Harry Dog, Bulldog Bite. And I worked with Clisby as an account executive at McCann Erickson. And I brought in some sketches for what I thought would make a mascot costume <laughs> of Harry Dog. And he agreed to take them over to Coach Dooley and show them to him. And Coach Dooley called us and said, can you have it in three weeks for the Sugar Bowl? And naively, I said, sure. And without the help of my good friend, Mac Talmadge, who was another art director, we actually built that costume in my basement in three weeks, working nights and weekends. Uh, we made the Sugar Bowl. That was a debut. And you mentioned Dr. Stan Beecham. Of course, he wore it to start with. And I think if you look here, you'll see that was the introduction. That was the day we introduced it to the team with uh, Coach Dooley and that stand in the costume, and like that started the whole thing. And he got on ESPN, and I started getting calls from all over the country to uh, design characters for everybody, from schools to corporations, and incorporated real characters in 1989. Now, I want to touch real quick, just to for everybody in the audience to be sure. Before Harry Dog, you had not designed a physical mascot costume before, correct? I had not. I was really interested in the San Diego Chicken, Ted Giannellis. And I started watching that, and I thought, wow, what a neat thing that a mascot character can actually be a value-added item to a ticket price. People will go in to see the chicken. I even went to a Hawks game to see the chicken back in the day and watch him perform. And it sort of was the genesis of getting all this going with mascots on the sidelines. And it's just grown every year since then. The interest, the variety, the people getting in the sport, the costumes have certainly gotten better and better and better. You're starting to see characters in rocket mortgage commercials. I think I had four characters in, in one of the in one of the commercials, and Harry's been in a whole bunch of them. He's done a lot of commercial work, you know, over the years. So yeah, it's a it's been an interesting path. So our first interview on the podcast and in our interview series was with Dr. Beecham, who, like you said, was the, the first person ever to, to don the Harry Dog costume. And he had given us some stories about the debut of Harry Dog at practice based on the picture that you showed us. He kind of said that the players, to his recollection, didn't know what was happening. So you guys all kind of walked out. And what, what were the reactions of the players like at that point in time? Well, it was funny because we took it inside the uh, the basketball arena and Coach Dula came over and looked at it on the stage. And he said, I want to take it out. I want to walk out with him. So we put it on stand and uh, I was behind him. He walked out with Coach Dooley and we were approaching the receivers. And I remember a lot of people turned and just dropped their arms and looked like, what is that thing? <laughs> And, of course, I had this idea that this, you know, six-and-a-half, seven-foot-tall bulldog with 28-inch biceps, and we had widened his shoulders, and I thought, boy, he's going to run out there and just dwarf these players. You know, and he ran out there in the middle of the line and disappeared. <laughs> I mean, guys, even back then, were so big. And I thought, oh, man. So Coach Dooley called us into the middle of the huddle when he was introducing us, and it was really funny because I kept looking around at these guys and I thought, well, do they like this thing or not? Do they? And we looked at the pictures later and all of them are laughing in their helmets and smiling. And it worked out really, really well. We stayed that day and did the Vince Dooley show. And uh, Stan probably told you about uh, we went to Allen's Hamburgers for lunch and he still had on the bulldog pants with the tail. He did. <laughs> <laughs> we walked in and all these construction workers were looking at him like, what in the world? So I just kind of put my hands up. So let me explain, guys. Let me explain what we're doing. <laughs> but that was a fun day. 
So the actual public debut of Harry Dog was actually getting a hamburger at Alice. Yeah, that's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's interesting. I was scrolling the social media feeds today, and I saw that the Harry Dog Instagram and the UGA Cheerleaders Instagram uh, announced the tryouts for this year's Harry Dog. So it's kismet that you're here today, Tom. So we're, we're excited to be hearing these stories on that day. I, I want to recount one other story that Dr. Beecham told us based on those Instagram posts. You know, today, the, the cheerleading squad, the spirit squad is still in charge of monitoring Harry Dog, making sure everything's in place. They run the tryouts, all those things. But from what Dr. Beecham told us, uh, for the Sugar Bowl, the plan was not for Dr. Beecham to actually go to Nolens for the game. They were going to have a local high school student do it. Is that correct? I, kn- I didn't know that. Uh, I always just knew it was Stan, and he went, and I saw an interview that he did uh, on television when he got down there where they stuck a mic up inside his head, and I'd ask him not to talk. And, of course, he did. <laughs> <laughs> which was fine. It all worked out great. I've got a great picture of him on the field, uh, and the clock is at zero. There's no score on the board. It's just Georgia Notre Dame, and that was his first moment on the field. I love that photograph. So, Yeah, that's cool. So the way he told us is that they were going to – they didn't have the funds to take him is what he told us. And he recounted that um, – he thought that a, that a Georgia student should be wearing the costume and he was still in physical possession of the costume and uh, possession being nine tenths of the law as it goes. Uh, he caught a ride in an RV with some fans or some folks that were going to the game and he slept on one of the hotel floors of the cheerleaders because he knew all the cheerleaders from being on the JV team with them. And, and that's kind of how he got down there, which I thought was neat, right? From a cultural perspective, from a historical perspective. That is a neat story. I didn't know that. I didn't know that story at all. But it, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I'd be amiss if I didn't mention Coach Mike Castranis. And a lot of people may know who Coach Mike is, but he was one of the real, one of the nicest people ever on this planet. Him and his family could not have treated us better. And he really got it going. And we worked out a handshake deal with Coach Mike to donate the costume that all the proceeds would go to the cheerleading fund. I mean, we really had a nice, uh, we had a nice run with Coach Mike over the years. But he was really the kind of the driving force behind getting this thing going. So then tell us about what that response is. So at the time, you're not in the mascot design business. This is something you did essentially as a passion project and, and as a love for your alma mater. And, you know, go down to the national title game. Perry Dog gets on TV. And, and what, what then happens? Does it just kind of skyrocket? Do you start getting calls? What's the genesis of, of Real Characters, Inc. and kind of what your career has become? Sure. Well, that's exactly right. It, Like I said, it got on ESPN and people were calling the university and they were nice enough to refer them to me. And there were several calls where I said, well, what is it you want me to do for you? I was an art director at the time. I was also an illustrator. And they said, well, Donna's an original concept character. Uh, Michigan State was one of the first people that contacted me. And Sparty is still there, the design we did to this day. The Goodwill Games in 1990, like I said, we incorporated in 89, but it's just one job led to another. It's one of those things where the more characters I got out there, the more calls we were getting. And I think most recently we did the College Football Hall of Fame. We got Fumbles, the character that's down there. And like I said, I've got everything from now from literally elementary schools all the way up to corporate characters around the country. So it's it's been an interesting journey. I've told people I didn't plan it. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things that found me. And I, and I love that I have this opportunity 
You know, I love what I do. Every day is a new challenge in this business, but Harry's the cornerstone and will always be the cornerstone of this business. I've got three Harry dog heads in my basement ready to finish uh, to keep him consistent over all these years. And that's one of the real keys to having a long-term mascot. Most people don't realize he's 40 years old this year. You know, he's been part of the program for 40 years. So I'm very, very proud of that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that just from a timing perspective. We asked Dr. Beecham the same thing, but as the dates would have it, the college football semifinals this year for the college football playoff are on Friday, January 1st. Uh, One of them will be played at the Rose Bowl where the dogs have good memories from 2017. And the other, fortuitously, will be at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in New Orleans at the Sugar Bowl. And we asked Dr. Beecham, how neat would that be from a legacy perspective and just from keeping things even, that type of thing to have congruency perspective to have Harry Dog be back there on the actual 40th anniversary of his debut. How neat would that be? Oh, that'd be fantastic. As a matter of fact, a couple of years ago, we uh, we built a new Harry Dog head, a new costume uh, for Ben O'Brien, a cheerleading coach. And I called Stan and I said, I want to take it to Athens and I want to put you in it to introduce the new costume. I thought that'd be a great thing. And our timing got kind of screwed up. We didn't get to pull it off. But I still love the idea of having Stan wear the costume again. I think that'd be a hoot. Oh, that would be fantastic. Oh, I'll have to rib him about that. We'll have to tell him that they should definitely make that happen. Oh, that'd be awesome. He he still looks fit. He looks like he could get in and do it. I don't know. He, he said it was hot in that thing, boy. Really. Well, he was he was tall and thin back then. I think he'd look better in it now than he did then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how does that make you feel? I know the pride have in your alma mater. What is it like to have such an integral piece of the culture, not only for football, but for the athletics program in general when it comes to Harry Dodge, just from a pride and legacy perspective? How does that make you feel? Well, I I couldn't be more proud, to to be honest about it. I've told the story several times of the coaches. Coach Mike invited us to come to the game when he first appeared in Sanford Stadium, which was a Tennessee game the following year from the Sugar Bowl. And he came out on the field and I watched the people react and he walked around and did several things and I didn't get the feeling I thought I would get. I thought I would have this great ego boosting, you know, God, look what I did with this mascot. And I didn't feel a thing. And I thought, dang, I'm disappointed. I wanted to feel something. And it was a commercial break. And I noticed these kids running down the stairs at Sanford Stadium. And I looked down and Harry Dog had come to the hedge and he was signing autographs. And literally the hair of my arms stood up. I thought, that's it. That's what I was looking for. It was the acceptance of the fans, and particularly kids, uh, to these characters. Over all the characters I've done is seeing the acceptance, seeing that suspension of belief, that magic. You know, it's uh, the name Real Characters from our company actually came from, I had this philosophy. I wanted my costumes and my characters to be real from two feet or 200 feet. I didn't want people to walk up to a costume, see screens, see eyes, hear somebody talk. The the bubble burst. It's not the character. It's I want them to believe that Harry Dog is real. You're talking to Harry Dog. He won't talk back, but you can talk to Harry Dog. So that was kind of the feeling that I got. And yes, it is a great source of pride. I mean, I'm very proud of him and all the characters that I've done, but he will always be my favorite son. 
You know, it's interesting you bring that point up. I, I read an article where you had given an interview and one of the co- quotes you said was almost exactly that, that one of the keys to your designs was is you want the eyes to look real because you want it to be real for the folks that see them. And the example that you gave was when a child goes to Disney World and they see Mickey Mouse walking around the park, that's Mickey Mouse. So you need that magic to be real. And I thought that was great and, and a great insight into why you've been so successful because you have that perspective. Has that become, would you say, your calling card as it pertains to your mascot is that they look so lifelike? Because if you look at the ones in your catalog, I think they all seem real and that's why they're so cool. <laughs> well, certainly that's the goal we all strive for. Anybody who's ever designed a costume, that's your ultimate goal is you want your character believable. But the whole Mickey Mouse analogy I've made for years, to UGA's credit, the reason you know Mickey Mouse when you walk in, it's a costume, you see it, it's a frozen mask, it's not moving. It's a kid in a costume, but you don't know that. In your head, that's Mickey Mouse. And the reason you believe it's Mickey Mouse is you know what he sounds like. You know his girlfriend. You know his best friend. You know his voice. You know everything about him. And you have to build that around a character. And George has been great about sustaining who Harry Dog is. He's a tough guy. You know, he's got that frown. He's got that attitude. And they let us work with it. We went with it. And I wore it in an appearance one year to the, for a magazine, bought an appearance of Harry Dog at their Christmas party. So I wore it and uh, I look in the room and there's probably 50 to 60 little tiny kids in there. And I'm thinking, I'm about to walk in there with this bulldog, with my teeth, my arms, my frown, with this big bag of presents. I'm going to scare these kids to death. So I told the promoters, I said, if I go in and a kid gets scared, let me handle it. Let me handle it as a performer. I'll get down on my knee. I'll go shy. I'll do different things. And I've told people, I went in this room. I didn't scare one single child. They were crawling on me, pulling my teeth, climbing on the shoulder pads. So that's that's all a part of acceptance of the character. I didn't scare anybody. They knew Harry Dog. They wanted Harry Dog. They wanted to get near him. You know, and that's that acceptance is a big part of it. Seeing people react to your characters, uh, certainly seeing clients react to your characters, and you know, and, and have a successful program. So, like, I looked at your catalog, and some of the characters obviously don't have, you know, the school doesn't have a mascot, or in particular, the one that stood out to me was the mascot for the Dallas Stars. Where does inspiration for something like particular mascot come from? Do they give you like guidelines, or do you just kind of go with it? Uh, some people do, some people don't, and. Um, I tell people all the time, the jobs that I like the most are the ones that scare me the most. It's when you walk out of a meeting with this confident attitude of, oh, sure, I can do I got this, no problem. And you walk out going, what in the heck am I going to do for this thing? You know? And then when you start, you start making some progress and you start to solve it, you get a greater reward. It's kind of like, wow, I really was able to do that. And Dallas was one of them. I was looking for something different. And the Philly Fanatic is, is literally inspired so many different fantasy characters and people refer that to me all the time. I say, you know, something like the fanatic, nobody knows what it is. It's just this thing, but yet you make it something you, it's what I was talking about. Like Georgia, you build around it, you make it happen, you know, with uh, the backstory or, or the attitude of the character. And uh, fumbles is a great example of that. When I went down to the college football hall of fame, Uh, We walked out at a meeting. They said, oh, by the way, it can't be anything. We represent every single college. It can't be a bird. It can't be a dog. It can't be anything. And you walk away going, well, I got to do a fantasy character. And I think my background in advertising has been my greatest asset and what separates real characters apart is I use the exact same creative process that I used in the ad business. 
with these characters. And you do talk to clients about their strategy. What do they want to communicate? Who is the audience? Who are they talking to? And I break down the sport, like the football thing, the goalpost ears for fumbles made him. It made that character. That was the unique thing. I mean, you always try to find something unique. You try to make it proprietary to the client and to the character. And in that case, it was the, in the case of the Dallas Stars, it was the uh, hockey stick ears that we were doing. We had the big furry green character, and I think they named him Victor E. Green or something like that. And, uh, but it's the hockey stick ears and things like that, that you look for those little touches that make them unique. Yeah, so one of the things I think is so neat about what you do and, and where your career has taken you is that these mascots become part of the experience. And, and I'll speak to one in particular of your designs that, that I have personal experience with. I have family that lives in Kansas City, and we always go to Kauffman Stadium to see the Royals play when we go and visit. I've been to Kauffman Stadium a number of times. And it never ceases to amaze me the reaction that Slugger gets from the kids and from the patrons at the ball game. I mean, how special is that to you to whatever it be, whether it be Slugger in Kansas City or, or Wooshock at Wichita State or Sparty or Mr. C? I mean, you have got iconic characters all over the sports landscape. Could you have ever imagined, you know, when you were designing Harry Dog that, that over 40 years it would turn into all this? Not at all. Not in the least. As a matter of fact, you mentioned one of the interviews. I think it was CNN called me about doing this interview. And my wife says, well, we better get a list of the characters you've, you've done. And I thought, well, I've never done that. <laughs> and we started sitting down and I started naming. And I thought, well, I've got to go to the computer. And we started, started listing all these characters. And it actually even surprised me how many of them we've done. Because I love doing every one of them. I mean, there's a great sense of accomplishment anytime you solve one and you make clients happy. And then they see the fans' acceptance, like we mentioned a couple of times. Yeah, it's uh, I, I could never imagine that I would be doing this, you know, still doing it. But I'm going to keep doing it. People ask me all the time, are you going to retire? And I said, no, I'm, it's too much fun. It really is. <laughs> Other than the obvious, is there anything that's that's out there that may not be as well known that just is it for you that, you know, other than Harry, Sparty, anything like that, that you just brings another sense of pride to your mind, just that you're just extremely proud of? Well, I'm an old car guy. I'm an old race car guy. And I had the opportunity a few years ago to work with Firestone Racing Tires. And they held a worldwide competition to design the Firehawk, which is a brand name for their racing tires. And I had two of the final three, and I won it. We built nine Firehawks. There's two in Japan and I think seven in this country. If you watch any IndyCar event, you'll see the Firehawk in victory lane every time. And because I wanted it so authentic to racing, I wanted the helmet to be the exact right shape. His face, his driver's suit, his markings, his even wears driver's shoes. He wears the racing shoes that the drivers wear. I wanted it that authentic. So on the corporate side, I would have to say it's the Firehawk, you know, and I'm extremely proud of Rocky the Mountain Lion at the Denver Nuggets. Now, that's the other side of the country, but uh, we hired Ken to be that mascot back in the early 90s. We actually went out and did auditions. Wayne Jordan, who was Harry the Hawk, which is another one I'm very proud of, uh, went out there and discovered Ken, and he's still performing as Rocky 30 years later. Yeah, 30 years that he's been Rocky. You know, you got different ones. Uh, certainly the Fighting Blue Hen at Delaware, Udy, the Fighting Blue Hen of Beer. But that's how I met Dave Raymond. His dad was the coach and uh, good friends with Dave and do a lot of work with Dave. 
But yeah, th- those are just a few. Yeah. Is there any that you've seen, you've come across and you've, you've been just like, man, I, I wish I could have designed that one. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I, I take a lot of pride in seeing other people's work. You know, there, and there are several designers, but I can't think of anything specifically right now. But yeah, I'm, I really tip my hat to people because I know the process, you know, and, and I know about the performers. Uh, you mentioned Kansas City. Rob Montepair was the original slugger when we did that costume. And he's here in Atlanta. Got a family now. He still wears my costumes. They put together the first circus which I designed all three characters for, and they go do minor league games between sessions and innings and things. Matter of fact, they're doing a hockey game in Florida this weekend. So a lot of the guys that I've met, the performers that I've met, like Wayne Jordan and Ken and, and all these different guys are my friends now. I mean, it's like I've made so many friends through not just the characters, but the guys that wear them, the clients, uh, uh, it's, it's just amazing where these things have taken me. What's the wear and tear like on these costumes? So let's say you have a client, let's, let's just use Harry dog as the example. How many does the university go through a year? Are they usable for multiple years? What is the maintenance like? What are the logistics of all that? Well, it really depends on the client. I've had people destroy a costume in a year. I did this blue yellow eyed Panther for Georgia state years ago pounce and they called me about seven years later and said we're sending pounce in for repairs i thought man this thing's going to be a wreck and i literally put stitches in one knee that was it you know so you never know and like i've had hairy dog i painted the lip on hairy dog probably four times in a season sometimes you don't touch it you know it really depends on how how good a care that the, the performers take care of it the environment that it's in georgia keeps about three hairy dog costumes that that I think are the best ones. You know, and like I said, we're always ready at a moment's notice to finish another one, you know, if we need to. One year, very few people know the story of just before the, uh, I believe it was the game in Orlando. It was our bowl game playing Ohio State. Uh, the kid called me and said, I want to come by and let you show me how to change Harry over to basketball. We've got a basketball game right after we get back. And he drove up. He was white as a ghost. And I said, what's the matter? And he said, I killed Harry Dog. And I said, what happened? said, uh, put it down on the driveway. The uh, phone rang. I came in, got in the car, drove right over top of the bus. And I opened the bag, and sure enough, he did destroy it. And I called the uh, coaches down there, and I said, Harry Dog, we'll try to get another one ready in two days. I doubt that we can, but please don't get on this guy. He didn't mean to do it. He's just about suicidal. I don't remember his name. (laughs) And uh, we almost got it done. We didn't make it. But we did have it ready for the Kentucky basketball game, and uh, so you got to be able, you got to be ready to respond. We only had one costume back then, <laughs> so we stayed up a couple of nights and got that thing done. And uh, you just do it, you just react, you do what clients need. We get costumes in all the time where people say, "I've got events coming up in three days. Can you fix it?" And we do everything we can to get it ready for them. What is your favorite hairy dog related story that relates to you? Whether it be somebody saying something to you about it or something that you saw on TV and you, you were like, oh, that's cool. Or which, what's your favorite hairy dog related story? Well, it's kind of funny. You mentioned the tryouts and I've told people one year when I was judging the tryouts, literally the best performer in the whole group was a young girl. She was the best dancer. She moved, she did everything, but she couldn't be hairy dog. She was just wasn't in the right proportion. You know, the costume didn't look good on her. So I did the super show one year. I had a booth down there. And I took the hairy dog costume and I wore it. 
I went outside the booth, was walking around, got lost, walked around for about an hour and a half, people giving me gifts, taking pictures, taking all those things. And I laugh because I tell people all the time when you're wearing a costume, somebody's taking your picture and they'll smile. And you go, what am I doing smiling? (laughs) (laughs) I get back to the booth and my business partner at the time, Mike Reinick, who was a college, he has dual citizenship. He's an Ohio State, Georgia graduate. Got two degrees, and he said, "I want to wear Harry. I've always wanted to wear Harry Dog. It's one of my fantasies. I want to wear Harry Dog, the Super Show." I said, "Okay." Problem is, Mike's five two, so <laughs> I take him in. I put the costume on him. I took him out in the lobby area where people were walking in, and people were coming by, going, "Damn, Harry, what the hell happened to you?" <laughs> so people do notice, and it's one of the things that when we're doing trials and all, we look at that. You know, you have to look at the proportions of the performer and the characters all important and the consistency is important. You know, the consistency of presentation, you know, he's Harry dog. We've developed signatures for several of my characters. Harry's one of them. Anytime I sign a Harry document and I send them out all the time, you always, I have a sweep that I do and I put a paw print over the eye and I've told people Sparty puts a little comb over his S. It's like a comb on top of his head. Rocky finishes his signature with a lightning bolt tail. What you want is if a kid gets a signature from Harry when he's three or four years old and he gets one when he's 25, it's still Harry signing it. Those little things we do that make it consistent, that add to the character, that keep the character consistent. So we look for those things. It may be the way he waves. It may be the way he walks. We try to work all those things into the personality of the character. And if you got a great backstory, you stay with it. You know, you just keep promoting it. So we close all our interviews, Tom, with in, in honor of, of Coach Smart, we do the Smart 16. So they're kind of just rapid fire type questions, and we're going we're gonna to run you through them, okay? Sure. All right, so the first one is, what's your middle name? Julian after my father. Who is your favorite dog? Got to be Herschel, no doubt. What is your favorite game? Uh, the favorite game would have been the Florida game, 85, I believe. Florida was number one. Kerwin Bell was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. We took uh, Keith Henderson and Tim Worley down there, beat them 24 to three. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite rivalry? Um, still got to be Florida. Got to beat them. Got to beat the Gators. I got too many friends that are Gators, and we have a great time every year. What is your favorite away stadium to visit? Uh, got to be the Gator Bowl. The loudest home game you ever attended? Alabama, late 80s, maybe 89, night game. We had them beat to the last two minutes, let them drive the field. But uh, that last block punt touchdown that we got with two minutes to go, it was loud. Because <laughs> I was on the sideline with Harry that night. That's how I know. So. What is your go-to tailgate food? When you're walking through the tailgates, what are you looking to grab? Fried chicken. What is the cocktail you're mixing for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? Bourbon and Coke. When you are back in Athens, what is your favorite place to eat? <laughs> Was and still is the varsity. <laughs> All right. Any game day superstitions? Not really superstitions. I always wear red and black. I'll make it a point to put on my red and black, but uh, no real superstitions. Of all the Sanford pregame traditions, and there are, are many and they're all awesome, what is your favorite? Well, it'd go back to when I was in school and it was a red coat band kicking everything off. Black jerseys, yes or no? No. What is the loss you're still not over? South Carolina last year. Man, that cracked me. I was in the airport at San Antonio watching it on the phone with another Georgia fan. <laughs> and I hated that. <laughs> Harking back to an answer earlier, what's your order at the varsity? 
that's got to be a chili cheese dog with pimento. There ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs, yes or no? No, get it started earlier for me, and today's perfectly fine. All right. And lastly, college football playoff. Expand to eight teams or find how it is? I'm kind of neutral on that. I don't like that the playoffs have diminished the importance of the bowl game, the individual game, but I absolutely love the playoffs. All right, Tom, you, you made it through. You have completed the smart 16. <laughs> All right. Well, Tom, we're just thrilled that you came on and talked with us today. This has just been a great conversation, super interesting. Sure. You know, guys, make sure and follow Tom's work. He's on Twitter. Uh, he's on Instagram. Make sure and follow his mascots all around the country. Uh, he has literally got his handprint all over the sports that you are watching uh, every night and every Saturday and Sunday. So, Tom, it's it's been a pleasure to have you, and just thank you so much for giving us your time today. Thank you. Well, thanks for, thanks for inviting me on, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Well, that concludes our interview with Tom Sapp. Boss, what were your thoughts on what Tom had to say? First off, I'd just like to thank Tom because for just for creating such a character that's been so important to my kid's childhood, really. One of the first things my son ever had was a hairy dog pillow pet. I have a hairy dog Pop Funko sitting on my desk right now. So that's just a really important thing to in my kids' lives, you know, and in my life, really. So um, I want to thank him for that. And the attention to detail that he talks about all of his characters that he has kept and that is so important throughout the years, especially like with the signatures and the movements and stuff like that. Like, I mean, that's something that I didn't know. And I just find very fascinating that anyone who dons those mascots, they have to have, that they have to walk a certain way. They have to move a certain way that, you know, all the signatures have to have a certain swoop and you know certain basically they have to be written a certain way and have to have like certain you know paw prints or I, I can't remember which one it was but he said like uh, that one of them ends with like a lightning bolt on the tail and just the attention to detail is just amazing that you know I mean Harry's 40 this year and that all the signatures are gonna he said you know pretty much look the same from start to finish you know there might be some slight variations from the person but that's just incredible that it's you know lasted this long um, and stayed the same way that's just amazing to me but I mean he was was very very gracious with his time yeah it was awesome to hear his perspective on harry dog's creation and i was just taken aback by how how focused on excellence he is it was just so easy to tell that in talking with him and you can tell the reason that his his business has sustained for this long is because he creates excellent work and i think that's embodied by all the characters that he's got all throughout the sports landscape i think the other thing that was neat was um kind of hearing him talk a little bit about the legacy that it's leaving that he's created all these characters and to your point that are not just a part of kids lives but part of the fan experience all across the country at the collegiate and professional level so what a great legacy and you know just couldn't be happier for him i mean what a what a great guy just one of those type of people that you root for and easy to talk with and and great conversation and we're thrilled that he came on and tom is welcome back to to hang with us anytime so tom thank you so much for all your work go dogs sick them go dogs George is better now. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.